0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So as you can see, um, we are going to talk, uh, I'm going to talk about Matthew, checking in on what Jesus is doing. So just to give you a little bit of context, this scene is set during the travels of uh, Jesus throughout the countryside. It actually happens during one of his withdrawal moments. So he has left Jewish territory and hanging out in an area where there are no Jews around so he can be left alone and not bothered by crowds. Actually, if you read the verses that come before this, he's actually just had another round of verbal sparring with the Sadducees and Pharisees, which usually seem to trigger his need to leave. So he's taken his people and they've gone where there are no crowds, there are no lawyers, there are no authorities and no conflict. It's just him and his nearest and dearest hanging out together. And this is a small conversation that happens between Jesus and Peter during that time. So we see a short back and forth between the disciples in general, and then Jesus and, Pete, uh, Jesus and Peter in particular. Not a lot of words exchanged, but a lot of information to unpack. So now that they're away from the crowds, Jesus asks the question of his friends. Um, they're the ones who've been out among the crowds. They've been talking to the people and having the one-on-ones um, with this crowd that is gathered to see Jesus. So, so they've been out and about and know what's being said. So Jesus asks them, well, who who do people say the Son of Man is? This is a title Jesus likes to use to refer to himself as uh, Son of Man. It actually comes from some of the... Um, apocalyptic, I forget, I think it was Daniel, um, referring to end times, that one would come like the Son of Man. So it's something Jesus likes to use to talk about himself. He gets a variety of answers. John the Baptizer. You know, people say you're John. Well, he he and John, you know, sort of lived in the same time frame, so probably didn't mean that literally, but you know, john had a particular message uh, repent for the kingdom of god is near and when jesus started preaching he said the same thing repent for the kingdom of god is near so jesus john same thing you know uh, john's gone jesus has taken up this ministry um, or elijah you're elijah because elijah is a prophet who's going to come at the end times He's going to come back as a reconciler. So Elijah, it's the end times, uh, Elijah has come back. Um, you're a prophet. Prophets come when times are bad to try and turn the people back to God. Like Jeremiah, the, um, trying to turn the kingdom of Judah back towards God um, as opposed to being overrun by the Babylonian empire. That's what prophets do. Prophets come when times are bad to try and turn people back from God. So, so maybe you're Elijah, maybe you're a prophet, but that's what you are. You're basically, you're a prophet. Come to turn people back to God. And I mean, that's what Jesus did. His message. Repent. The kingdom of His near. Turn back to God. Um, now what we know is, uh, and he would tell parables. So, of course, he would tell parables to, his dis- to the crowds, but then to his disciples, what he would do is he would give them the teaching to do with it. So Jesus asks a second question of his disciples. Who do you say I am? I've given my teaching to the crowds. What do they say? Now, I've given my teaching to you. What do you say? Now, keep in mind... Um, They're they're being asked to answer this, Peter's being asked to answer this, based on having had extra knowledge. Based on having seen uh, Jesus walk on water. Although in the, the chronology of this gospel, they haven't seen Jesus transfigured yet. So they've seen him healing, they've seen him show acts of power, and they have heard what he's had to say. So Jesus asks them a far more intimate question. Who do you say I am? Peter has an answer because Peter always has an answer. Um, Peter always seems to be the first one to jump in with an answer, and usually he gets a bit of a slap on the wrist saying, No, Peter, that's not it. You know, get behind me, Satan, or, (laughs) Yeah, you say that now, but you're going to deny me three times. But not this time. This time, Peter jumps in with his answer You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God, and you are God's anointed one. You are the son of a living God, a God present now. You are God's heir here now on earth. You are not something from a scroll. You are not something that might come in the end times. You are not the imitation of something that happened in the past. You are something that is happening now. You are God's chosen one. You are the one, the son of the living God. That's Peter's answer. Now, do we think we know what Peter really meant by this. Probably not. He probably didn't understand fully what this meant, because keep in mind, he is still on the other side of the resurrection. But he had seen Jesus traveling and teaching, preaching, walking on water, healing people, doing all the things that... A prophet would do. But he saw beyond that. Not only that, he, Jesus' response is not the usual, no, Simon, it's, blessed are you. Because something special has happened here. God has revealed a truth to Peter that had not been revealed before. Jesus could have continued walking the world and people thought he was a prophet and probably a really good prophet and He might have had scrolls written about him and then forgotten as another prophet another warning about a specific time that had no relevance in the current world But that is not how Peter recognized him so Jesus is happy with that What he is doing is not something to be done and forgotten. People actually recognize what is happening. God has revealed a truth to his followers, so he's happy with that answer. Kind of like that's what he was hoping for, that somewhere God's truth was being revealed. Um. It's not going to end up just being something in the past. Just as an aside, um, they have the law, the scrolls, the prophets. We have something similar today. We have laws and we have regulations. So that was the fear of what would happen. And that's what had happened in the law in that time. The law had become wrapped up in regulations. But now truth was shining through. Peter now had an understanding that God is real and alive and now. Jesus saw that this was happening. His response to Peter is, you are a rock. Peter, you are a rock. Peter means rock. Peter, uh, Simon actually had that name when Jesus met him, Simon known as Peter. So i don't know whether it was just when the writers of the gospel decided to make sure it was clear simon was peter but or maybe they already thought of him as a rock whether a rock because he was solid or a rock because he was dull and blunt and usually said the wrong thing we don't know but jesus said to him on this rock peter you are a rock and this is the rock on which my church will be built Jesus doesn't often mention having a church, but he does now. This is on which it will be built. On you, on your recognition that God is alive and here and living among us. That God's word can be revealed in day-to-day life, not just in a scroll or a reading. That God is alive and among us. That God is not distant this is the truth this is the rock on which a church will be built this is a church that is alive and it cannot be overcome by death now many people have taken it to mean uh, peter was the basis of the entire church maybe maybe not but a foundation is not made of one stone it is made of many stones And this was the first stone that would build a church through the ages until today. We are built on that church, on that rock, on that acceptance of God in our lives. And Jesus has more news for Peter. He told Peter... That he would have the keys to heaven. Well, that sounds kind of strange, uh, and that's been interpreted by many as meaning that it's up to Peter to decide whether we get in or out. But a key holder is the person with position of authority. When I worked many, many eons ago for Starbucks, I got promoted to key holder. To open, to close, to be responsible for what was there. Peter is be- being given responsibility over what will happen. Showing Jesus' trust in this man who so often got things wrong and got in trouble, and jumped, but jumped in still with all four feet, ready to do what he thought was right. Whatever we may think about what Peter says or did, there was no doubting his enthusiasm in anything. He also gives him another piece of authority, which sounds kind of odd. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, and what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. These are actually legal terms to permit and prohibit. If you loose something, you are, if you bind it, you're prohibiting it. If you loose it, you're permitting it. And actually, the tense as trans- can also be translated as what will be as what will have been. So Peter doesn't get to decide what is allowed in, on earth in heaven because he's allowed it on earth. More insight is to be given to Peter. He has already had revealed to him the truth about Jesus. He has already had a truth revealed to him about God on earth. And what will be continued to be revealed to him is what is permitted and what is prohibited in heaven. And this is what Peter is going to share with the early church. That is the rock on which the church is built. A living God, his son on earth, and revelation of what is in heaven. Because the kingdom, as Jesus said, is near. Jesus called us to repent, to be near, because the kingdom is near. Jesus, the Son of Man, the Messiah, is not an abstract idea from the long past. It should be clearer to us, because we get to look at this interaction through the lens of the resurrection. We have seen that Jesus, the Son of the living God, would die and death would not overcome him, just as death would not overcome the church. And by Hades, we're talking about the place of the dead. We're not talking about some sort of uh, spiritual battle between good and evil. We are talking about death overcoming life and life resisting. Death will never overcome life. Jesus is alive. God is alive. The church that Jesus envisioned is alive. The kingdom is not far away in heaven. The kingdom is not in the future. It is not some end-time fairy tale where we go when we die. The kingdom is us, gathered in God's presence. The kingdom is when we reach out to a brother or sister in need. The kingdom is when we turn to God and do his will here on earth. When we follow the commandments to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength, the kingdom is here. And on the flip side, when we slander our brother or sister, when we do something we know is wrong in the sight of God, when we follow our own heart, rather than the teachings of Jesus, then the kingdom is moved away. But Jesus reminds us his very first preaching when he took up his ministry, repent for the kingdom is near. It has never gone away no matter how dark, no matter how hopeless it is near. Our job is to repent, to turn back to God, the living God. And the kingdom is here. We can trust and follow Peter's example, a man who is usually wrong, but not always. Something special was revealed, and this is the rock of our faith. That God is among us, Jesus is alive, and the kingdom is near. Amen.